0: Hey everybody, Joe Kim with the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Today we'll be talking about Unity's IPO, which is on the day of this recording, happening today. We have some really great folks who have all studied the company and written about the IPO on with us. So stay tuned after the break for a deep dive on Unity's IPO, its business, future outlook, and the very big question, valuation. So stay tuned. This podcast episode is brought to you by IronSource. They know you're here for good content, so they're not going to waste your time with a long pitch. Here are the three things you need to remember and know about Iron Source. Number one, they're developing the most robust data-driven growth engine for mobile games. Number two, their secret sauce is closing the monetization marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth. And number three, they have an awesome Medium blog and podcast called Level Up. You can find it on Medium by searching for IronSource Level Up. Thanks.
1: Folks, most mobile advertisers are increasingly aware of the dangers of app install fraud. In fact, global financial exposure to app install fraud in the first half of 2020 was 1.6 billion. And even though the mobile ad industry has grown exponentially to defend itself properly against ad fraud... The potential amount of damage is still extremely high and fraudsters will always want a piece of that pie now fraud methods are constantly evolving and adapting to solutions in the market still staying protected and applying sophisticated anti-fraud solutions are very much a necessity for all marketers as you all know our good partner apps flyer offers super robust fraud protection making sure you're not paying for that bogus traffic appfly is also perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive that marketing success. And listen, it's not only us that here at Deconstructor of Fun raving about AppsFlyer. Playrix, Tencent, Playtika, Square Enix, Huge Games, all of these companies and many more are using AppsFlyer to boost their business. So go to appsflyer.com and get yourself attribution and fraud protection you can trust. <laughs>
0: Welcome everybody. Today we are going to be discussing Unity's IPO. I think we all know Unity's business is a cross-platform game development engine, but in particular, we will discuss one, current business and sources of revenue, two, growth prospects, three, key risks, four, competition, and five, valuation. And with us to speak to all these issues and more, are first, uh, Matthew Contraman from Bloomberg Intelligence, second, Jason Chapman from Convoy Ventures, and third, Aaron Bush from Master of the Meta and I know both Matthew you I actually I think all three of you have written about Unity so I'll put links in the show notes to all the things that you have written about them but just to give people a little bit more background uh, more context into your backgrounds maybe we could start with just quick introductions. starting with you Matthew. Sure, uh, Matthew Canterman.
2: I'm an equity research analyst, Bloomberg Intelligence. I'm based in Hong Kong, so it's dark outside here, whereas it's not for everyone else on on the on the Zoom. I cover the gaming sector globally, so so Unity is is a nice hybrid between you know traditional enterprise software, but it's still heavily, heavily leveraged to gaming. Uh, so you know, I've been doing equity research for almost seven years now.
3: Jason. Yeah, so uh, I run an early stage venture fund alongside my two other GPs um, that's dedicated to gaming. Um, so we invest at the early stage, so think seed and Series A. On top of that, I actually have built games on Unity. So I'm very excited to talk about this from the user perspective because it is the engine of choice for myself. So, here.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so my day job, actually, I'm an investor at The Motley Fool. I manage a couple portfolios there, also oversee part of our product suite. But I, I started Master of the Meta maybe about a year ago, which is really just like a newsletter slash blog about the the gaming industry. So dig into all the different facets of what's going on, um, which is fun to do.
0: Digging right in, I thought we could start with the current business and sources of revenue and maybe we could start with that just how does unity make money and maybe starting with you matthew if you can give us your take in terms of the the current business and their prospects
2: sure so i mean for those that don't know unity's core business their core product is a game engine if you don't know what a game engine is i like to use an example if you think about you know you have a pc it runs windows and then on top of that you have the application so the good analogy is the game engines like the operating system like windows and the application is like microsoft word or the game so unity is basically making the operating system that helps drive all the physics and all of the 3d image rendering that helps create the video games that we all love to play um so that's about 40 percent of their revenue and that and that but without that they don't have the rest of their business and what's the rest of their 60 percent of revenue well most of it comes from revenue they generate you know, largely alongside the people that use their engine software. A lot of it's through advertising revenue. So they run an ad marketplace to help mobile game developers make money with ads. They also help their mobile game developers, um, you know, optimize their their purchases within their games. They have analytics software. There's lots of add-on things they sell to their customers, but it all starts with the core engine.
0: And today, Unity itself is not profitable. So I assume investors are believe that, there's going to be continued growth or scale effects that take place. Could one of you guys talk about maybe the the current like growth prospects or the, the, the way that the business is currently trending?
4: Yeah, I can hit on that really quickly. So I think what we see with unity right now is actually pretty typical for what you see with most enterprise related software companies that tend to go public. Most of them are losing money, but the reason for that is because their unit economics are generally pretty positive. So they're, reinvesting pretty heavily both into R&D in order to boost their capabilities and be usable for a larger audience and also to, you know, add more sales reps and build out their sales functionality so that they can capture that larger audience. So it's actually probably a good thing that the business is unprofitable. It means that one day, probably, hopefully, they'll be able to generate even larger profits if they weren't doing that reinvesting. And, you know, right now, what we see just in terms of growth Um, and, and margins it's, it's pretty, pretty decent. I think, um, on the margin side, they generate 80% gross margins, um, which is, you know, which is solid and is, you know, I don't want to say like absolute best in class from across like a software industry, but it's, it's good. Um, and then, yeah, they're, they're a pretty swiftly growing business when it comes to the top line. I think, um, maybe on like a typical year, obviously. The COVID bump has has influenced this a decent amount, but it's probably like a a thirty percent plus ish growing revenue business. Um, what we see with COVID though is that the business is growing a little bit faster, which which in my opinion probably actually has less to do with like what the company is doing to upsell and cross sell, and more to do with like how like just how more people are playing games, and therefore more. More ads are being shown through Unity's platforms and more people, so they're benefiting from that. But, but from a, a high level, this is a good business that is losing money, that's setting the foundation for what hopefully is going to be something even bigger and more profitable in the future.
0: Right. And then in terms of like the specific areas that you guys see would improve, is it cost of sales or is it R&D or is, is there anything specifically that you think will improve on the margin side? They're going to continue to
2: invest pretty heavily in R and D. Um, their R and D intensity will just fall because of you know economies of scale. That's just what happens with these early stage companies. But you know, but but so really the leverage comes from the OpEx, right? I mean, gross margin. Plus or minus 80%, like uh, like Aaron just said, you know, that's roughly where it probably will stay. The leverage really comes from scaling revenue and scaling gross profit on top of, you know, their R&D will grow, but their other fixed costs will largely grow a lot slower than revenue, and over time you know, in their IPO prospectuses, you know, in the roadshow, they're targeting a 20% long-term operating margin. That's well within reach within a longer term, maybe seven to 10 years, but that's well within reach longer term. From a top line perspective, you know, I, I kind of think this is a business that can do roughly $750 million of revenue in 2020, and they can probably double that by 2023. So, you know, you're looking at very strong top line growth, though the margins will come over time.
3: No, I was just going to ask, I mean, from that revenue growth, right, a lot is, you know, in S1, they talk a lot about how they need to expand into other verticals, right? And that's really what we're hinging on. If we believe that Unity owns about 50% of the games, you know, engine market, you know, we have to buy into the fact, and I always like to kind of do this for myself, even at early stage and also late stage, what is this company asking me to believe? And they're asking us to believe that they can dominate a lot of other sectors, that is still very much unproven to me. Um you know, I'm a big believer in unity in the game space, but ninety two percent of their clients that are kind of what I'd call their whale clients, you know one hundred k plus in revenue a year are in games, so they only have eight percent. And so really, what we're seeing with that that r and d budget, what I think is fascinating. I think the master of the Meta guys did a good job highlighting this in their report is you know a lot of that is going towards those other verticals, right? And that's what we're we're betting on. I still haven't seen it yet, and so I don't know how long they've been spending on RD in, the, in those in those verticals. I don't know if you guys, you know, for me, that's the big question mark on this IPO is, can these guys do it? They haven't really proven it yet. Um, I hope they do, but I think it's pr- it's pretty, you know, it's crucial because I don't think they're going to get above a much higher than 50% of the game's engine market um, within video games, right? Like, that's, nice. that's a pretty much, a, you know, a duopoly at the very least, right? So no, I just open that up to you guys to, to to comment on.
0: To your point, we can shift to growth prospects, but yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that was curious for me because my understanding was that there was like a, almost like a complete rewrite. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with like the the Dots ECS based architecture, and so it does seem to your point, Jason, that maybe they are investing to go after those additional verticals. So if you guys could let me know more about where your thoughts are with respect to whether it's specific verticals or growth on the advertising side, or where are we going to see that additional kind of growth for unity?
4: Yeah. Well, I guess, first of all, I'll I'll jump, I'll answer that question in a sec, but the first yellow flag that I sort of picked up on when looking at this business is that, yeah, they have what they call the, you know, 50% market share of the game engine business, but their sales are really only 500, $550 million, which Typically when you see a company that has that large of market share, you would expect that the, the like they would they would be able to capture more value from that market. So they haven't mm-hmm. been able to do that super well which which is part of why their market share has been so high because they're pretty generous to creators in my opinion. So so I think I mean one there still is opportunity on the gaming side like I don't think we should overlook that. there's there's a ton of value being created that they probably can help serve in other ways. But yeah, when it comes to the the non-gaming side, the vast majority of their product suite has is still dedicated to gaming. So it will take really heavy reinvestment into R&D and like like expanding the sales team for many years in order for them to to capture that upside. Right. And when I when I look across, you know, the other verticals that they hit, I can't Personally, I can't really pinpoint and say, yes, that, like, that is the next vertical. It it seems pretty scattershot Mm -hmm. at this point. Like, yeah, we can serve, like, the film and animation industry. Yeah, we can serve automotive. Yeah, we can serve manufacturing. But I haven't, like, really seen, like, that one specific area that is similar to gaming that they can go all in on. So that scattershot effort, kind of that shotgun approach kind of means that they will also have a shotgun approach to R&D and sales. And, like, that could drag on for a little bit also lastly part of what's really great about their gaming business model is that advertising piece which most of what they sell is a is like flat fee like like the companies will pay a flat fee for the creator tools or a flat fee for servers or certain live ops functionality but the advertising functionality they make revenue share. So as all of the companies succeed on the Unity platform, they're able to grow with them. And as I think about the other industries, yes, they can sell like flat fee based products that like serve certain tech solutions, but can they unlock like anything close to the revenue share upside that Unity gets in gaming and I personally don't see, <laughs> I don't see that yet. Maybe the thing is something like if you look at Unreal, they have like the royalty rate. So their business model is more like prone to getting that upside in a way that Unity's business model isn't. So not only do they have to reinvest in a lot of ways across their technology and sales, but they got to, if they really want to beat what it's going to be really high expectations from investors on the stock, I think they probably need to to unlock something else on the business model side too.
2: For sure. And I mean, it's also important to point out that as they expand beyond gaming, right? Within gaming, they have a duopoly. It's them and then real, and then it's all the first party engines and throw Crytek in there, a few others, right? <laughs> yeah, smaller ones. But, you know, when you go beyond gaming, you're running into Ansys, who's twice as big from a revenue perspective, Autodesk, who's five times as big, Adobe, even in some cases, the So systems, right? So you've got much larger entrenched competitors. And when you're talking about vertical software, because that's what this is at that point you need vertical expertise to be to be very good i mean you look at any leading vertical software company they have very strong vertical expertise if you look at ssnc and financial software or ansys and and autodesk the ones i just mentioned you know they have very strong vertical expertise and unity doesn't have that yet and so can they develop that vertical expertise and differentiate themselves from those entrenched competitors it's it's to be seen i you know jury is still out because the business is basically negligible at this point from a revenue perspective. It's, you know, 95% plus of the revenue right now is still from gaming.
4: The best thing that that Unity could have done if it really wanted to serve a larger market and other verticals would have been to get acquired by someone like Autodesk or someone that, like, has those other capabilities that, like, can be paired really well with what Unity does. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're going public. That's not happening. They're going to trade at, like, a pretty lofty premium. Uh, so so those dreams are probably mostly dead unless, you know, like a tech titan comes in that just really wants something. But I guess the flip side of that is, like, it's not necessarily game over. Like, the the flip side of having, like, a really, you know, lofty share price and premium is that then you can use your shares as currency. They've already made a lot of acquisitions to tap into, like, new capabilities, new services within gaming, outside of gaming. But I would expect that to become a bigger part of what they do, especially when they have the shares to afford more of those types of transactions. But that's, that's a big TBD, but something I'm,
3: I'm pretty intrigued by and optimistic about. So you guys think that they kind of led us into kind of, you know, Aaron, you were talking about, they haven't picked the next industry they're going to try to own. I mean, on the leadership team, uh, I think that the only, the, the best indicator we have is Autodesk, right? Like, so I think we're talking about that. They, they brought on two people that did come from Autodesk before, That, to me, is the best indication of they're going after construction. And so if I was Autodesk, I'd be very concerned, personally. I think that they're trying to eat their lunch. And then on top of that, just kind of going back to the the business model, I absolutely agree. I think we're going to see potentially, and this is a bold bold prediction, so, you know, whatever. I think we're going to see in the games market them move towards a royalty model with their developers. And then outside of games, they will continue going a per seat fee, which is more standard. Right, because they have to get the upside, especially with the changes in the IDFA, which you know we're going to talk about later. Which is kind of their exposure to upside in games. And so, anyways, those are my my thoughts of kind of where Unity has to go if they're going to try to dramatically expand their TAM, which they just they have to. Joe, uh, crazy how crazy model- is
4: that? Do you think for yeah. them to change to a royalty-based model, like from like you're the one here who actually makes games. Like how <laughs> like, how how crazy is a of a bet is that?
0: I mean, I, I think the the tricky part with that is that you have you you mentioned the per seat uh, monthly licensing fee that Unity has relative mm-hmm. to the royalty model that Unreal and Epic have, but also, e- Epic's kind of crazy, right? And so like, the royalty only kicks in after you make a ton of revenue. So you're basically saying for a certain category of your user base, you're just gonna zero out your revenue. <laughs> for
3: yeah. That.
0: So it's, it's both like it's so it's a, I would say it's a high risk model, right? It's it's basically right now because they're pricing so low on a per seat licensing model. To your point, Aaron, you can actually monetize that that lower end user base. So I, I would say the only risk, Jason, if they switch is sure if if one of those small some of those small developers are going to become the next Fortnite and the next this and that and they're going to make a ton of revenue. But then that's going to be offset
3: by. A lot of people that get zeroed out if if they want to, you know, compete. Absolutely. And I I think they would only do this once they've identified that next industry that they've got a foothold in, whether that's construction, going after Autodesk, if they've like established the land grab there, you know, then I think they would say, okay, we're going to meet you head on Epic. We're going to get these super favorable pricing for our developers as well, which they haven't done today because they honestly, they can't, in my opinion, I, I just don't think they can do that. Um, they don't have Fortnite sitting there in their in their back corner producing right. just insane monthly revenue for them, right? That's kind of where I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And I, I'm going to be curious to flip back two years to this this, uh, this podcast and be like, <laughs> was I just a total idiot or was I right? Um, so we'll see. We'll see.
0: Well, but to your point, Jason, let, let's talk about more risks then. So one, yeah. you know, there's this risk in terms of the the, the business model. But in terms of other risks, what do you guys see as some of the big, big issues? Uh, You mentioned IDFA. Maybe we can talk about IDFA and what the potential impact of IDFA deprecation might be on their business.
4: Yeah, I guess I'll say at a high level, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to speak to like the nitty gritty details of the IDFA, but at a high level, advertising is a double-edged sword for the business potentially. You can't say it's a bad thing because this business would be a lot smaller if they didn't have, you know, their ad network essentially that they've been building out. And again, like a big reason why they've been able to accelerate their dollar base net expansion rate uh, to to 142%, which just means that like they're making 42% more Dollars off of the same customers that they had a year ago. The primary reason for that is advertising. So when advertising works, it can work really well and provide a lot of upside. But yeah, the IDFA, and I'll let someone else chime in on specifically how the IDFA could affect this if anyone has thoughts. But I think the bigger point is that, you know, if it's not the IDFA that affects Unity, it could be something else. And what the IDFA really signals to me about Unity is just how fragile they are when you don't really own or have control over the platforms that you rely on and so when you have platform concentration risk through google but especially apple <laughs> you're you're sort of just asking for trouble and maybe like you'll you'll find solutions and like like you know wiggle your way out of tough spots and adapt and i think you know they have done that and i expect that they will continue to but it could put bumps in the road for sure and it could it could could maybe lead to even bigger problems down the line. I'm I'm not ready to to say that their ad business is doomed by any means. I don't <laughs> I don't think that's true. But but yeah, when when you're stuck relying on Apple for a big chunk of your business, like much of the gaming industry is, um, it does put you in in a difficult spot.
2: There, there is a caveat to that though, right? It's not, they're not like Facebook, you know, just throwing ads inside of your newsfeed or in your Instagram stories. It's it's a lot more targeted than that already, right? You know, they know who play their games. They know a lot about you because of how much, you know, if you take Words with Friends, which is a very popular game that has a lot of advertising in it, right? They know how much you play. They know who you play with without Apple or Google, right? And, and on top of that, all the ads inside the game are kind of, the user accepts to see the ad. It's not those ads aren't being inserted into something whether they want it or not, right? You want an extra life to finish the daily challenge in Words with Friends, you watch an ad, or you know, you, you know, so so it you know, or you want to do the weekly challenge faster, you watch an ad to accelerate the, the reset clock. So you're choosing to see that ad. From that perspective, I I think. The type of business that this is supporting, in-game advertising, um, is going to be a lot more resilient, you know, with changes to IDFA versus a traditional social network like Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, you know, who who are more reliant on banner placement in sort of inside of some sort of you know social network.
3: Joe, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I feel like, you know, of of the group here, you might be the most, I I don't want to discredit Aaron or Matthew here, but I think you might be the most qualified to to comment on that. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I think that the thing about IDFA is just nobody really knows what's going to happen, right? So while I would say most of the experts in terms of the space and that know it, the best believe that CPMs will drop and advertising revenue will drop, we don't 100% know I think when I think about Unity, though, the thing about the advertising side of the business, so I I mean, I do fully expect their advertising revenue to at at least level off or potentially decline, but one of the things that you mentioned, Matthew, at the beginning was how Unity is actually leveraging their developer base to get that advertising revenue. And so one thing that I think about is like, is this modeled into the growth of the advertising? So in other words... When we think about the business as they go into construction or healthcare, those, you know, those developers aren't going to have, we're not going to leverage those types of the user base into an an advertising network. So to that extent as well, I think that there might not be as much growth on the advertising side. So I I do worry a little bit in terms of the overall
3: growth there. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We're not going to see advertising growth in a lot of these other verticals or targeting like you know, of the other target industries, I think, you know, animation, maybe, I don't see it. It's not like games where, you know, ad, ad spend does dominate the industry, right? And I think an interesting thing also on this is what only half of their whale clients both use the create and also the operate. And I believe that kind of extends their ads, those who deploy ads as well. So only half of them are doing this, which is interesting to me, too. So maybe there's growth there for them. Um, and that's a kind of a bright spot of, of a uh, an opportunity zone for them to kind of go with the harpoon model of expanding and, and upselling your clients, which is kind of one of the big problems you know, as we keep highlighting here with their model of their per seat charging. But yeah, there's also
2: opportunity for them. They actually sell all their operate suite. They also sell it if you're not a Unity customer. So if we take Apex Legends, which yeah, that's everyone a that's a gamer knows, it's on Unreal Engine. But they yeah. it was in their S one. You know, they use the multiplayer. The you know the multiplayer matchmaking software that unity sells so you know they're not just completely confined to their own unity uh, game engine so from that perspective you know they, they, they can get a bit broader in terms of the other industries I you know I think a, a large portion and I'm just checking the number but they're gonna have a well over two billion dollars of cash a, after the IPO now c- with the money they're raising you know they've they've been a very acquisitive company if you look you know just in the last couple years they've done a dozen deals or so and i honestly think that you know they're going to have to go out and acquire lots of little startups to to build and operate business for these other verticals, like they've done in gaming. I mean, they didn't do all that organically. A lot of it was through acquisitions, and you know, I think that's going to be part of the strategy. You know, once you get through the IPO here, you know, with the with the equity currency and the cash, I, you know, I do think they're going to continue to be acquisitive and build out more value add services. You know, for those other industries, that'll help them um, with the vertical specific nature of those businesses.
0: In, in in terms of like that categorization, build and operate, there there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory among some people that says that they're that that the way that they've broken it out because there's so many other businesses like you know the analytics, the multiplayer, all that other stuff that they're trying to obfuscate that revenue. Do You guys, what do you guys think about that conspiracy theory out there?
4: I don't personally buy it that much. Okay. Um, I mean they're definitely choosing to be opaque in some way but you also have to realize like it wasn't until like this past year that alphabet split apart like google and youtube revenue uber like it's still really muddled like what is like ride sharing versus their like uber eats revenue so this is this is pretty standard i think everyone wishes that they would break it out a bit more but but i mean i think we were still able to sort of like 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 connect the dots a little bit just from looking at the S1. And I would expect that especially as like earnings reports roll around and management starts talking more about the business, like we'll still have a pretty good sense of what's going on, even if we don't know the specific numbers. But yeah, so I don't I don't really buy into the conspiracy theory. Uh <laughs> but but it's it's definitely something that I mean they chose to do, but I don't think it's a, a huge deal. Got
0: it. Yeah. Okay, and maybe not talking about competition now. I think it's really interesting because, you know, a lot, most people talk about Epic when it comes to competition, yet the majority of their revenue is advertising. It's also very interesting in the sense that they're so different from their competition. When we look at Epic, you know, they're not only going after, they're, they're not only, they not only have an engine business, but they've got, they do self-publishing, they've got their own games, they have their own app store, both on, for PC, and they tried to build one for mobile, and they're doing all this other stuff. And so when you guys think about competition, what's the kind of, how do you kind of frame that in your minds as, as far as, you know, who they're competing against and who should be the most relevant competitor for them in the future?
3: I would say on the game side, I, I think, you know, obviously we have talked about it on this, you know, the duopoly that exists, like, you know, typically it's Unity or Unreal. Those are kind of usually the choices or it's a first party engine if you're at a triple A. But looking at, you know, I've talked to a lot of developers recently with all this drama with Apple and Google and, you know, with Epic, and a couple of them have told me that they've pivoted their plans to use Unity based off of the fact that they're like, hey, we don't know what is to come of this. We don't know. It's kind of, un- un- we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Apple. We don't really want to be caught in the middle of a fight that has nothing to do with us. We just want our content to have the best shot. And so I think in the, in the near term, I'm um, in gaming, I think Unity has a lot of benefits to it, specifically on the mobile side. But secondly, they also have the benefit of the fact that they haven't pissed off the two, some two of the largest tech giants in the world, right? And so I think that that is something that you can't really totally overlook. How that plays out, like, is it 10% of the developers that we're going to use Unreal that shift over to Unity? Is it 50%? Is it, is it 5%? I don't know what it is, but it is a percentage. So that is one thing I would highlight on the competition side. When it comes to kind of targeting those new industries, I mean, Autodesk, I think that is definitely their number one competitor that I see personally outside of gaming. And I think they've kind of put a mark on Autodesk uh, personally. So that's, those are the two that I would, I would highlight. I think I might be wrong. I think they might actually have a
4: partnership with Autodesk. I don't know how extensive it is. Maybe that, that would change what you think a little bit, or maybe they're just biding their time in the shadows before. So,
3: they... so it's interesting you bring it up. So I tried to find more out about this Autodesk partnership as well for the call. And I admit, I couldn't find it that much. And so I could be wrong, but generally speaking, it wouldn't be the first time that a company partnered with somebody and then eventually sort of ate their lunch. And so that would be my thought. Um, they could have a totally different vision for how that works, whether it's a merger and acquisition or just a really healthy partnership for the long haul but my guess is that that's not what will happen that's fair
4: i mean i still i mean like we have to look at epic and unreal still as like a number one competitor here Absolutely. and I, and and the reality is that there can be multiple winners and i think you know how you even compare these two businesses is just going to change over time like they're on two different trajectories they have two different missions Absolutely. unity like obviously is game engine first, but building up an ad network kind of wants to extend the capabilities that they have into other industries and Epic, you know, is pursuing probably like one of the loftiest like missions and visions in the world with just like their whole metaverse ambition and like yeah. how multi-pronged their ecosystem is. So how we talk about these two businesses is going to be very, very different over time, but still, you know, for just for like, from a land and expand strategy on the land standpoint. You know, like Epic and Unreal is still like the number one competitor, and beyond that, obviously, like there are a lot of players who work in ad tech. There, there's just a lot. Um, my, my hypothesis, and this is maybe more my, my bold bet, is that I actually think maybe Apple will turn more into a competitor over time, mm. which, which is interesting. You, you sort of kind of see like their tendency is to just sort of encroach on all of like, like certain companies that have certain capabilities like across their platform um, and their app store and like even specific apps. And we sort of see like writing on the wall a little bit, like even with the IDFA, like how they're making it harder for other companies to get, to get the, like you would level information that they want while at the same time, retaining a lot of that information for themselves, kind of pairing that with some of their ambitions that they laid out earlier in the year. That wasn't very noisy, but like how they're building their own ad network, which you know, I think most people assume that a lot of that is more like search, like on their platform, but I could totally see how over time that ad network that they're building extends beyond just search on their app store and starts plugging more into like mm-hmm. games and apps that people are developing. And, and given how Apple approaches like how how they just want firm control of everything and how they approach their rules on, on their app store, I could totally see over time them trying to wiggle their way into more of the ad network market, or at least making it harder for people who want to compete with Apple in any way
3: at all. So so that's my my, my bold bet. Did, did, uh, I mean, talking about conspiracy theories, I don't know if this, this counts, but I don't know if you guys saw, there was a lot of speculation about Apple potentially buying Unity ahead of the IPO, and everyone was talking about this. And obviously I think there's a thousand and a half antitrust issues, which would probably prevent that from happening. But I, I was wanting to see, you know, just personally for interesting drama's sake, uh, you know, Apple buys Unity, if you use Unity, we're going to charge you 20% versus 30% um, in the App Store, <laughs> give you a massive UA spend advantage. But I don't know if you guys read into that. Just throwing it out there, any chance this happens in the future? Or is that ship sailed?
2: I think to your point, it's a it's a antitrust headache, just because of the market share and then you know, you're you're hurting so many indie developers because you're basically going to take away Android, right? Because Apple's going to make it exclusive to iOS, and Android is the massive yeah. user base. And for the advertising-sensitive, you know, indie mobile game developers, that that's a huge loss of revenue for them. So, it probably doesn't even make sense for for the you know for the customers from that perspective, and they would probably end up switching anyways So, that's a,
3: that's a, that's. A, I mean, I it makes it's it, no, ma- no, it makes sense from a strategic. It's a lofty yeah. Theory.
2: No, good. I mean, there is there is good sound strategic rationale to it, but then there's a lot of
3: caveats that make you kind of second guess and say, maybe not. I think it's the antitrust. That's just, there's no chance yeah. it would go through, personally. I think
4: I think that's fun. It's a fun conspiracy. Um, <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's not going to be very doable, like with the current state of the app store and the rules around it. But, you know, if Epic or whoever is successful and sort of changing the rules a little bit or changing like even how app stores get structured a little bit, I could see opportunities opening up. But that's a that's a big if, right? Big if.
2: They big have F. been successful on Epic Game Store, though, with offering lower commissions to get exclusives. And, and and you know, and, because it helps the indies because, you know, they get to keep a larger share of net revenue, so they make profit faster. And it helps the big developers because they don't need the marketing support. Division 2 is marketing itself. So Ubisoft's going to say, sure, we'll put your game on Epic Games instead of Steam because we make more money there. I mean, that makes sense. Um, And actually it was funny because I mentioned that when Ubisoft went from steam to, to Epic game store, they actually saw their sales on Uplay rise, like triple. So it actually just drove people back to buying games directly from them and not even from a third party. So it's, it's, it's something to watch out for, but I, the 30% commission rate probably doesn't change when this is all said and done what's to be seen. And this probably gets driven more from the antitrust case in Europe than anywhere else. And I'm completely quoting our antitrust analysts on this. So this is not, I'm not the lawyer here, but you know, you know, what they think is that the behavioral remedies might force Apple to budge on distribution of apps outside the app store. So, so they can still charge 30% for sales within the app store, but they have to be able to give a means for people to distribute apps beyond the app store, like Google, like Android does. And in that case, then Epic can distribute an Epic game store mobile to iOS and Android and then they can, you know, have their own competitive platform on those platforms. That would also enable all of the cloud gaming systems right now that are tied up in legal fights with Apple as well to proliferate because they can do the
0: same thing.
3: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point.
0: So when I hear you guys talk, it sounds a little bearish, right? Like what you guys are saying is going into other verticals may be challenged. Advertising may be challenged. And just for the audience, they're going to start trading today and it seems like the valuation, on the flip side, is going through the roof. And in fact, Matthew, before the call, I think you were mentioning some of the potential pricing, which might actually make Unity more valuable than Epic. So I was hoping we could talk about valuation. I think that, uh, and, and Matthew, maybe you can give us a quick update in terms of where they are, where where they're going to price when when they start <laughs> I'm, trading I'm, today, and yeah, what they're at right on their their valuation.
2: Yeah. So now it's indicated 25% above the IPO price. So we're looking at $65 to $67 and it's 1042 AM New York time. So we'll see by the time trading day is closed, but you know, that's going to put it at a premium to Adobe at this point. You know, we're talking close to 20 times sales at this point. I, I, am not, I'm, I haven't run the numbers precisely, you know, based on the price here, but you know, it, it's, it's a big number premium to Adobe. Adobe is like the best in class, you know, example of SaaS software basically out there for creative software. So that's a tough ask. You know, we've seen IPOs bid up in general, so it's it's not surprising from that perspective. But you know, I think a good healthy dose of bearishness is is necessary when you've got things that are basically priced to perfection, because that's what's you know effectively being reflected in the valuation when you're trading at a significant premium to the best in class company and you know a massive premium to you know the other companies in the sector like Autodesk, who's one of your biggest competitors. So. You know, I think a healthy dose of, of embarrassment and realism is is never a bad thing when when you know when you're talking about those circumstances.
4: In a vacuum, I, I would say I'm bullish about Unity. Right, like this is going to be a bigger business. It's going to become a better business. But yeah, once you start stacking on like the expectation layer that the market will put on this business it's harder to be bullish, especially kind of once you dig through and think about, Hey, like, how are they going to grow in other industries? Like, Hey, they have like these business model limitations, et cetera. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm not buying (laughs) this IPO. I'm probably not going (laughs) to buy after the IPO, the, the difference, like, like Matthew mentioned Adobe, like the huge difference between these two companies is that Adobe makes a ton of money. <laughs> and Unity <laughs> is still still burning money. And and Adobe is still growing. Like, like they're in different stages as a as a business. To me, like this valuation, it says less about Unity, actually, and it actually just says more about like a sign of the times and like how how like what markets like investors are interested in. Like people can't get enough of enterprise software but yeah as i as i look out i it's going to be really hard for unity to top the expectations that are going to come once they actually go public and you know once people listen to this they'll actually see but i bet we see a decent decent pop so
2: i would also caveat that by just saying i'm saying it's like 20 times or whatever this year's sales. But a lot of people that are buying enterprise software companies today aren't saying 20 times this year's sales. They're looking at this business 10 years from now, and they're taking more of a venture capital like Jason knows a lot about, or you know, even like a private equity view, five to 10 years from now, what's this business worth? You know, What's my entry versus exit multiple? And when you think about it from that perspective, you can still make a good ROI on it. That, that's a lot of the math that's being done also, but that's all sensitive to your entry and exit multiple at the end of the day. And you're- buying it at peak valuations in the market and so that's that's always a risk as well
3: yeah i think generally speaking what i am bullish on in unity is their approach which is client driven development versus their own internal content driven development which is you know unreal's approach right like generally speaking that engine was tailored towards building fortnite right like that's where a lot of their development efforts went Unity doesn't have that problem, which I do like, you know, it's unbiased, it's it's kind of best in class when it comes to anyone who's been a developer or in product knows that, you know, you shouldn't go into a hole and build what's good for you, you should go build what your clients want you to do. And so for that reason, I am bullish on the long haul. You know, I personally was trying to uh, buy it at the original IPO price, uh, just to be supportive of the industry to see this thing launch. Um, but I, I kind of agree with uh, the consensus here that I think we're getting into around realm of insanity and you know we should wait and see and they have a lot of hurdles right i mean we've identified them on this call you know the ad hurdle the the competitors that are in the other industries that they're trying to tackle into to get that growth it's going to be tough i think for the next couple years but long haul i do believe in unity i do believe in the team behind unity and they are going to do really well and uh, i think they've been a fantastic group for the industry and they've done a lot of good for developers Um, and so generally speaking i think that's short-term, a little bearish, long-term, uh, very optimistic. What about on a relative basis?
0: Matthew, I'm not sure if you can comment on this, but what, what company should be more valuable, Unity mm-hmm. or Epic? So. <laughs> well, I mean I mean
2: that, that that's a loaded question and and largely because you you basically you're looking at a sum of the parts analysis on both of them, right? And and if yeah. you're looking at just the engine business, you're probably, I mean, we don't really know how big Unreal Engine is from a revenue perspective, unless you're in the round and you had the financials. But plus or minus, they're probably roughly the same size. Maybe Unreal makes some more money because they get the scale revenue, but Unity has far more users and they get the subscription revenue. So in they're probably in the same ballpark of revenue, plus or minus, right? But then obviously Epic has Fortnite. And so that's going to be valued like a video game because it's a video game. So whatever, five to seven times revenue, which is where the peers are, you know, 25 times earnings, however you want to slice and dice it. And that's going to be valued like a video game business, right? And, and then, you know, so, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not apples to apples when it comes down to it at the end of the day, because the bulk of their revenue is not their core business, if you will.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think the more interesting question is like, what will be worth more? And, and kind of like alluding to what I was saying earlier, just about like how the companies and their missions and visions are diverging. Like I would say Epic, like Epic is on the track to become a much larger business than unity is if they're able to succeed on, on their mission. And obviously like they have their own risk too. So I think it's probably fair to like price them similarly ish just based on how, You know market multiples and like how people are perceiving things right now, but when we're when we're really looking out over the next decade plus and and kind of playing out what these companies can become, I think it's I don't want to say it's night and day um, because Unity can still become a much bigger business, but Epic, if they're
3: successful, is
4: is doing something else entirely.
3: Yeah, couldn't you say that there's more risk with the revenue that Epic has, given that it's tied to one title? Right. And so the popularity of the title can can evaporate, you know, quickly we've seen that happen time and time again in mm-hmm. games. Right. You know, I'm, I don't believe that we've everyone's talked about what's the Fortnite killer, what's the CSGO killer, what is it going to be like, I think Fortnite has proven they're here to stay. But that, that is more risky in the sense to me, because, you know, if you look at unity, their revenue is diversified across their client base. Right. If you think about, you know, from unreal's perspective, they've got one really big client, if you want to view it that way right? And if that client doesn't do well, then the whole business would suffer. Um, and I'm speaking of unreal as though it was the core business looking at Epic's revenue as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that's what's one thing I would flag. Um, and so I think I agree, they should be valued pretty similarly today. Long term, Aaron, you're absolutely right. Like, Epic's on a trajectory to be worth, you know, four to five times, I think what Unity is going to be worth. But Unity is a safer horse, in my opinion, um, just just given the risks. But.
0: Yeah, and it seems like to your point, Matthew, before about you know how Unity is being valued, to some degree, it's not really about necessarily their existing business and kind of doing a discounted cash flow model against the current business, but it's more about the optionality, right? Like what do these what do these companies actually build in the future? It's kind of like how Tesla's got this new thing, this new thing, this new thing, and they build incredible value. So I, I guess that might be the the tricky part in terms of how we value these kinds of companies, but yeah, I mean, in terms of other questions, that's basically it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see <laughs> where Unity gets to as we see how they're, they're priced and how they trade uh, later on. And, and to, to your point, Aaron, like over the longer term, uh, where Unity gets to with respect to Epic. But with that, uh, those are all my questions. Do you guys have any final messages, words of wisdom or caution for the audience? And maybe starting with you, Matthew? this this is a fantastic business and i you
2: know i think we've all laid out risks and some cautiousness and i don't want to underscore that this is not a fantastic business because it is and i and I, you know but at the end of the day investing is all about pricing risk and when you're talking about inflated multiples and you're talking about severely elevated investor expectations you know how do you price that and i think that's where a good healthy degree of, of caution comes in maybe I spent too much time with the credit guys you know in my group but we don't want to get lost in some of the cautiousness that we've said because this is a fantastic business
3: Lisa? yeah I would say uh, I agree it's a fantastic business just I, I am always wary when I see people start to apply venture capital multiples in the public markets and that is a, ca- a you know it's it's uh, for concern it causes me to think about you know hey where, where, where are we basing this off of what's the risk? And I think a lot of times there's a lot of momentum trading and I think that's going to happen here. Um, and so generally speaking, I think I believe in long term here, but we're pushing this beyond where it should be today. And I guess that's not uncommon with IPOs as everyone just races to get public quicker and quicker, something we didn't talk about on this podcast, but it's SPACs. That's something we should talk about <laughs> and how that's playing, playing out in video games with skills. But generally speaking, Uh, Just be careful when you see public companies trading at venture capital multiples. That's just, generally speaking, my my word of wisdom. Take us home, Aaron.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for people to remember in general that most IPOs underperform in their first year, which sort of makes sense. Like when they go public, the company goes on a roadshow to hype up the business. So on average, companies underperform. And then when you pair that with the multiples that the market are at today, I don't have some grand estimate of what multiples will be in the market a year from now. but it is important to recognize that it is much higher than it usually is and things can change. So if you're interested in in riding this horse so to speak, probably just take your time and do some due <laughs> diligence yourself before you just jump onto the wave. but in general, you know as someone who pays close attention to the stock market every day, I'm really excited to see more types of gaming related businesses go public. Seeing, you know, more developers and more publishers go public is great, but seeing more platforms and tech providers, you know, other companies with large addressable markets with potentially high margin recurring revenues, like like that's really exciting to me. It's like a new wave, a new corner of the gaming industry is is starting to become unlocked for more people. And I'm I'm a big fan of that. And I feel like we're sort of at a new stage of that unfolding.
0: All right, great. And so with that, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. This is going to be super exciting to see how the story unfolds. But uh, thanks again. And that's that's it for, for talking about unity. Thanks, guys.